This is the podcast for the journal Genetics and Medicine, published by Springer Nature. It's the official journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics. I'm Cynthia Graber. There's a group of more than 130 disorders that share a common problem. There's a glycosylation issue in development where the necessary sugar chains are fully or partly missing from their needed location on protein surfaces. These are called congenital disorders of glycosylation, or CDG. It's a genetic condition which is usually affecting the patients from early on, from the first couple of weeks of life, and affect their general development causes many neurological features, affect their liver, many aspects of their health, including uh, endocrine function, coagulation, liver function. And in many of the children who are young, it is a life-threatening disease where we still lose about 20% of babies, or I would say before the second year of life which is a very high number, actually, for a genetic disorder. Ava Marava is a professor of medical genetics at the Mayo Clinic. There are some known dietary interventions for CDGs. In one, high doses of the sugar mannose can rescue the glycosylation abnormality. In another, there's evidence that galactose, or milk sugar, could be useful. And that's just the sugar that Dr. Marava and her colleagues around the world tested for this recent study, which they published in the journal Genetics and Medicine. So SSC... 35A2 CDG is a very unique CDG where when you build the sugar antenna on the surface of proteins, actually you are missing the galactose units in the sugar chain. When you evaluate the glycan antennas by high-resolution glycomics, mass spec uh, methods, you can see that the antennas are missing the terminal galactose units, so the milk sugar units. The idea is that increasing oral intake of galactose could help supply the missing galactose units to the proteins. The data on this approach previously was inconclusive. One paper suggested it could work, another didn't find enough evidence. I think that we were brave enough to try it well, for two reasons. Uh, one, because we described galactose therapy in the other disorder, PGM1 deficiency, where the biochemical abnormalities are similar. So we had already this success story that uh, galactose could work in CDG. And uh, the second, that I'm like completely in love with the theory that galactose is the first sugar you meet in your human life when you're born. Your first sugar encounter is galactose in mother milk, and probably it has a very important role in regulating and uh, initiating glycosylation, normal glycosylation in your body. And it's also a safe sugar. I have to tell you that what we are trying here is only the half of the amount you would get if you drink uh, several cups of milk uh, during a day. But why would just adding extra galactose to the diet work if the enzyme responsible for attaching it to the appropriate proteins isn't functioning correctly? We learned from sugar biology that many times our body is able to adapt to metabolic abnormalities if you offer an alternative substrate in a higher dose. So just one example, in MPI-CDG, 
there is a problem with uh, phosphorylation of uh, monos. So that's the, let's call it cranberry sugar. So why would extra monos help you? The reason behind that, that if you give a lot of alternative substrates, our enzymes are capable of taking over the work of another enzyme. We call that moonlighting. And in MPI-CVG, hexokinase, another enzyme, is taking that monose, which is actually not its role to phosphorylate, but it will activate, the high dose of monose will activate hexokinase. And then instead of glucose, hexokinase will phosphorylate the monose and moonlight in to uh, solve the biochemical problem. So the theory is here that probably the high dose we provide for the body, there is a moonlighting enzyme which is helping in restoring the biochemical pathway or simply a higher dose would push the enzyme to transport more and that we know that some transporter proteins are capable of that. As it's an incredibly rare disorder, they worked with colleagues around the world to gather 10 patients out of the entire 70 known internationally. Most were young, one as young as six months, but there was an adult patient as well. Because it's linked to the X chromosome, there are a few surviving males, so only two of the 10 were male. So I would say that most patients were pretty severely affected. To give you an example, an average patient had visual impairment, no speech. They mostly were not able to go to school with a global developmental delay. And uh, many of the patients were totally care dependent. And four of the patients had very severe uh, seizures. Also, the patients had some involvement of liver disease with elevated transaminases. And then for four months, the patients were given oral galactose powder supplements. After four months, the results were positive. They improved on a CDG rating scale from a mean of 28.5 point severity down to 24.6. But what does that number mean for our patients? Actually, there was a significant improvement in growth parameters with all patients following a normal growth trajectory and actually before the treatment, they were all under the normal growth curve. The second most obvious uh, finding was that the development, which was pretty much stagnating in all patients, all started to improve, mostly postural control. They were able to sit or stand with support. They were more responsive to visual and auditory stimuli and chewing and swallowing improved as well. This is in four months, so that's pretty positive. With respect to the the seizure disorder, um, we had four patients with seizures, and two of the four patients improved uh, significantly with having tonic-clonic seizures, like more than 20 a month to go to to no epileptic episodes, or the other patient had uh, three anti-epileptic drugs, and during the four months of period, they could go down to a single anti-epileptic drug. In addition, says Dr. Marava, the team could demonstrate biochemical changes, improvements on the number of galactose units on the proteins, signifying improved glycosylation. But of course, there are caveats. This is a pilot study, and a short period, there could be spontaneous variation 
in clinical features. So obviously, these results have to be taken with a grain of salt and should be followed long term and also compared to the natural history of the disease. But these results are very promising. Follow-up research, she says, should include a more detailed natural history study of the patients, as well as a placebo-controlled or crossover trial. But she's hopeful that the results will have a significant impact, because there are a number of disorders in which galactosylation is abnormal and where this approach might be of therapeutic benefit. Genetics and Medicine is the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics and is published by Springer Nature. I'm Cynthia Graber.